Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. This podcast is focused on the future of digital technology in the connected device space from the 2023 POD Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference. For more information on the POD Conference, editorial, podcasts, or webcast, please visit podconference.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, so we'll start off with introduction. So I think I got introdu- introduced. So I'm Michael Son. Uh, I'm a director at Moderna. Uh, I need the device impacting at Moderna. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson Farmer. I'm with PA Consulting. I lead the drug de- delivery and connected health area there. Hi, I'm Steve Giannellis. I oversee the Digital Health Operations Group for Teva Pharmaceuticals. I've been doing product development for the past 20 years and connected devices for probably eight years or so, the last eight. Hi, everyone. I'm in Sadiqi Amiri. I'm with AstraZeneca, um, Associate Director in the Device Development, responsible for drug device combination product development, as well as evaluating and developing digital solutions uh, pertinent to improving patient experience with self-administration. Yep, and I'm Radu Yanku, and I'm the founder and CEO of KeyboardMed. So, um, so we have a very good panel here. I think everyone on the panel has been in digital health and been looking at digital health from a long time. Um, so as we were kind of lo- looking at digital health and as we were discussing, one of the things that kind of came to mind or, or as we di- kind of started talking about is the role that digital technology have on patient treatment, the impact it have on healthcare cost. Um, so maybe we'll start with a pharma. So uh, Steve, do you want to start? Sure. So at, at the end of the day, connected products should reduce the cost of healthcare, but it's not simple. The cost of developing these products costs a lot, especially when you're doing it inside a pharma company. So the upfront cost is extremely high, but then the benefit you get from having that technology and the data that you get out of that should allow the overall healthcare cost of treating that patient go down because you now have uh, data that you didn't have before. So if you're looking at one specific component, it's really hard. You can see some parts are up and some parts are down. But when you look at the overall treatment for a specific disease, you can treat it better. You can keep people out of the hospital. Costs go down. Me? Sure. So um, I I think in the context of reducing the healthcare costs, one of the trends that we're seeing is moving the care from hospitals and clinics into home, right? Um, it, it can bring a lot of value for patients, like improving their convenience and comfort, but, but also reducing the overall healthcare cost because of less involvement from the, uh, from the healthcare workers or less utilization of the hospital equipments and resources, right? And, and it might even be a more sustainable and environmentally friendly. We, we just had a, a full session about sustainability, just not having to travel to or from clinic every time you need to receive a treatment. Uh, and this, but this at-home care, or in the context of drug delivery, at-home delivery, self-administration at home, um, also presents a lot of challenges, um, I- including like lack of effective onboarding, lack of um, effective training that could lead to uh, lack of adherence, product use, um, use errors, and the product complaints, which are big challenges for pharma companies. Um, that over time even translates to lack of, you know 
persistence or even medication dropout, which is, again, a significant challenge that, if not addressed, could lead to increasing the healthcare costs because of the increased rate of hospitalization. And I think these are a couple of challenges or, or factors that are key um, for this digital transformation that is needed for healthcare. Um, and digital is already part of almost everybody's life, uh, including patients' life. Um, like the patients of the future, who are like Generation X or, uh, or, or Millennials, um, these are people who are already trustful of digital in their, in their everyday life. Digital is their main source of education and training um, they, for accessing information or even onboarding into new services. Like I, for example, almost never read paper manuals and instructions. I just go watch YouTube videos, right? I, I was just making a joke the other day. If, if some, these, these, these days, if something is not on YouTube, then probably you don't need to know about it, right? And this is a, this is a significant behavior change that did not exist like perhaps a decade ago or in previous generations. And I think that's what the digital health companies, the pharma companies and med device companies can partner up to um, generate um, digital solutions that can improve patients' experience, training, education. These are fundamental things that, if addressed correctly, could have very positive effect on downstream things, which are patient treatment, long-term adherence, and persistence. And just kind of add a little bit to that is, so I agree completely with what both of you said. Uh, from digital technology, digital uh, health perspective is, so what I've seen is, or, or what Pharma has uh, seen is, there's that potential. So uh, getting that medication adherence as well as providing uh, the necessary information, the right, just-in-time information. So uh, as a main kind of, where are, uh, well, I'm going to date myself, I'm going to be on the millennial generation, but you know, as we look at the younger generation, the generation, even even you know, when I look at my parents, they're very savvy on uh, the phone, everything they want to know, YouTube is where the source of information is. So we're preconditioned to kind of have that instant information. Now how does that translate in terms of digital health and digital um, Having that kind of information and that connectivity and that support will help kind of treat medication and provide that right solution and uh, prevent the exacerbation because that's where the most cost driver is. Um, so minimizing exacerbation will help healthcare costs, will help people improve uh, from a longer term in terms of their medication treatment. So I'll stop there and kind of hand it from a, uh, kind of hear more from a vendor side uh, perspective. Okay, I, I think um, some of the aspects are quite interesting around what we consider as cost and who's who's burdening that cost. Uh, I think we we're talking about the healthcare industry or the healthcare providers burdening some of that cost, whereas in reality it's probably going to be more likely the pharma companies burdening some of that cost to get some of those products actually taken up by the markets and getting market share gain in those those drugs which have those extra add-on features that then could give you the results you need to, to prove that it's actually working to then get a code to then get reimbursement to then actually make some money out of it so i think it's it's kind of we 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 kind of put the uh, the cart before the horse sometimes, I think, a little bit, uh, where we think, oh, we should we should also massively be able to get a code for this when we haven't actually proven that it's actually done anything, and we all got to think together that we we've got to make sure that we prove that it does something positive and there's a benefit. Um, it's not a product, is it? It's it's a service in one sense. All of these digital uh, applications and layers are 
are that. They're layers of, of, of interactions. And it's a game. You know, there's a game with many multiple players. So there's a patient, there's the healthcare provider, there's a healthcare professional. You've got to get them all playing the same game at the same time with the same rules and, re <laughs> and everything. That's not easy to do, you know. I think that's why it's actually quite hard. It's a completely different game to what I think most of us have been playing for most of our lives in this industry, which is more about product, either a drug or a drug delivery device, depending on where you're coming from in this room. So I, I think that the, there is a little bit of a, a, a lesson or a learning that we, tr we should try and get to grips with a little bit more about understanding from the consumer market. Of you put it out there, you try and make sure that people want it, need it, can can accept that it's doing the benefit, and then you can get your your returns later on. Yeah, so I, I'm glad I'm the last one answering this question because for me it's a personal question because basically the answer just literally mimics my entire professional life decisions. Right, I'm, I'm a physician, but before I was a doctor, I was a software developer. And when I decided to, to go to med school was because I was convinced that uh, software and digital technologies can fundamentally alter the way care is delivered, right? Then fast forward when I was a practicing physician, I, I started dreaming about, okay, I want data from this device or this device. And then I was told, no, this device cannot send you data because it's not connected. And then they said, oh, this one is connected but cannot be connected to our EMR, right? Because it doesn't work. And then finally, when the device was connected and I could see the data in the EMR, suddenly I was told that the only way I can interact with the device is the way the device manufacturer designed it, not the way I was wanted to. I wanted to use it as a, as a physician, so that made me start keyboard med, right, and 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 build this, and then like jumping all the way to today and and this particular audience, I'm going to use a, an actual example to 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 tell you from from a physician's perspective how this plays out, right? And, and we all talk about adherence and using devices for adherence. And I'll give you an actual example from real life for me as a cardiologist. So if a, a patient with recurrent AFib comes to see me, right, and, and somewhere in their EMR there is a button that says, let's see the adherence to their medication, right? Which, by the way, for most of us would be an amazing accomplishment because we connected the device, we got the FDA approval, we connected to the EMR, so we are all happy that it's in there, right? So then I look at it, and I never press that button. If all I'm looking at is that person's chart in the moment when I'm trying to assess their state, and all I care about is they, did they receive amiodarone or propafenone or, or, or a drug to, to treat their, their condition, I don't really care about adherence, right? On the other hand, if the moment when they come to the hospital, they get an ECG, and on that ECG, uh, an automated system identifies a long QT or a large QRS um, complex, right? And at that point, there is an algorithm behind the scenes that says, okay, let me take a look at what medication they've been potentially taking desperately at home when they got palpitations, and it's amiodarone. Suddenly, uh, an alert comes up and says, this patient has been at max or above max for amiodarone, then I'm gonna go to adherence immediately and confirm because then I can sell, save thousands of dollars, not to talk about the patient experience, on unnecessary tests to determine if that patient has the right bundle branch block or some other more complicated arrhythmia. So it's, it's exactly the same data set, the same doctor, but depending on when you see it in one context, can fundamentally make a difference between something that is marginally useful or, or even a, a time vacuum for me as a doctor, to something that may save 
endless hours of tests and, and, and ten thousands of dollars of tests just to basically, because I know they took too much amiodarone and, and they could have a long QT or a large QRS and it's not a bundle branch block. Kind of going off script a little bit, just asking a little bit question on what you just said before. So you mentioned that um, adherence and those information are, are good information, but you also mentioned something on the back end in, in system of um, basic machine learning, AI, where it'll kind of have an algorithm to help you, uh, alert you to, to those specific uh, watch outs or, or blips that you need to kind of pay attention to. So do you see a uh, integration of digital health and then a adoption of AI within clinical settings? Yeah, I, I, I think AI, and I think everybody's kind of at this point in agreement, AI can handle one, or solve one major problem. It's like dealing with enormous amount of data that, that a doctor, or even beyond that, a scientist cannot handle in a reasonable amount of time, right? So I, I, I think AI is probably the missing last piece of this whole puzzle. We'll probably get back to talking about the other pieces of the puzzle, but I think AI is the piece that basically says, now I figure out how to put all this data in one bucket, you know? I almost see the puzzle, you know, but it's blurry. And then AI comes in and gives me a pair of glasses that makes me see the puzzle properly immediately instead of me trying to figure out exactly each piece and putting the picture together. And going back to uh, uh, topic, kind of, uh, the other thing we kind of talked about, which I think what you just said kind of fits in very nicely is, um, you know, when we look at digital health and connected device, uh, we kind of recognize connectivity that it should be part of a bigger um, picture. So, so the question is, are there a gap between what is needed and the solutions that are being created today? Um, maybe we'll start with you, Kate. Okay. Um, <clears throat> is there a gap? Um, there's always a gap, isn't there? I think really there's, there's always space to, to fill. But I think, I, I wouldn't say there's a massive gap. I think there's a lot of technology out there. I think there's a, a, a lot of different ways of, of doing connectivity. I think the frustration is probably that there's maybe too much that people don't really understand which bits work or which bits are going to work for which patients. And I think there's going to be a, a more sort of discrete and, and bespoke analysis of that. I think um, we all talk of platforms, we all, we all talk in you know, platform language of lots of things that we, that we create, and, and platforms are really good as a, as a fundamental starting point. But I think we all understand that when you get into the deep areas of the, the human psyche in, in different you know, conditions and different types of people, that actually you're going to probably need to segment and segregate the, the types of people within one, even one condition. You know, you can't brush everybody with the same, you know, brush, if you know what I mean. So I think there's a gap there between us understanding which, which indications and which people within those indications could really benefit most from connectivity, is what I'm going to say. Uh, and I think that area is gonna be really fundamentally fascinating to really figure out where can we best play this, this whole game of connectivity, because connectivity is just a way of linking one thing with another, um, and that's a, a digital way of linking one thing with another, whereas there's a human element in there, there's a, you know, I think the best kinds of approaches are going to involve a human element as well as a, a digital element. You know, a physician or a nurse alongside a, a digital application that helps that patient. You know, that person's going to need to, to bounce off that, uh, those other uh, people as well.
I can go next. Um, I also think there is a gap, and I, I want to look at it from a, a slightly different perspective. Um, and I think we're on the right path. It's probably just a gap. It's, it's a natural evolution of it, right? There is a bigger gap, and then you work towards that, and the gap becomes a smaller and a smaller. But uh, you know, on one hand, we all talk about the, the values and promise of the connectivity and the connector drug delivery. It can help patients. It can help uh, healthcare providers, payers, um, pharma companies. Um, and on the other hand, we don't see connected drug delivery being in widespread use, right? Um, the, I think their, their adoption overall is somewhat um, low. Um, healthcare providers do not, do not substantially supporting it. Um, payers do not you know, significantly reimburse it. And, and I think the fact that despite this great promise and value, um, there is low adoption um, speaks to the fact that there is a, there is a gap, right? Um, and I think there, there was a misconception probably for so long that you know, patients are not adherent or persistent because they just forget. And that was probably the very first business case of connected drug delivery. Let's add a bunch of sensors to the device and connect it to a phone so that they, re they, send, you know, they receive a reminder and then magically like everything, everything, their adherence goes up. But that really never worked. And don't get me wrong, I'm not really suggesting that there is not value. I think, I think there is a lot of value in those tracking, adherence tracking and measurement. But as you mentioned, and you also reiterated, uh, if they're a part of a bigger ecosystem, right? If you, if you think about it, the success of a connected drug delivery really, really rests on maybe three pillars. Only one is collecting information. That is enabled by a connected uh, drug uh, delivery device, right? The device can generate information, real-world uh, real information on uh, patients' medication-taking habits, um, when they take their medication, how they take their medication, also the users, very, very valuable information. But if you look at the solutions out there, most of the solutions really stop at that point. Like if you, if you talk to your colleagues who are involved in the design and development of connected devices, like you sometimes hear that, you know, we have this awesome connected drug delivery device that can collect this and that, and then you're like, okay, that is great, and then what? And then after that point, like everything is in the realm of like a speculation and, and hypotheses and, and conceptualizations. I get these three means the same thing. But really, the, the point is that that's where the gap is. Like the connected devices generate and collect information. But information alone is really useless, right? Like you need to translate that information into insights and insights into, um, into recommendations, into, into interventions. Like patient don't want only information, right? If I want, want to, if I go to my doctor, I don't want them to tell me like, this is what I know and good luck, right? I don't want my doctor to tell me what to do. Like, I don't even want to know the background. I just want him to, or her, to let me what to know. And, and I think that is the real value here and the gap that, you know, we need intervention because it is the intervention that um, improve outcomes, improve appearance. And I think that translation um, is, is another gap probably. So I think for me, you've both touched on important points. Uh, one of the things in prior to joining Teva that I noticed in the industry was that there are were a lot of people building and connecting devices just because they could. Mm -hmm. So we, we call that, I call that the build it and they will come strategy, and it doesn't work. Um, we see that because there's not a lot of people using the products, and the adherence, they're not, patients aren't necessarily driven to use uh, or improve their adherence, they just don't want to be sick anymore. 
Um, and so you have to so be solving a problem. So what you're building needs to be for a solution, for a particular problem. And so as you were saying, Kate, we need to be focused, very focused on what we are trying to build and why we are trying to build it. And then which patients are actually going to use it. And how is it going to help folks like Radu who are in practice now trying to look at this data? Mm -hmm. um, it, without that, without solving that and closing that gap, we're, we, we aren't moving forward fast enough. I mean, we all thought we would be much further along in digital technology and adoption and products out in the field. And I, I think a lot of folks out here in the audience have a product and you're probably, if it's anything like any of the others I've talked to, struggling with why aren't people using this as much as the benefit we know we're bringing, why isn't that happening? And it's getting that to them, closing that gap so that they understand this is why I'm using it this is what my doctor is going to do with it, this data, and this is how my treatment for my disease will improve. That's, that's kind of the gap. We've got to close that. Yeah, I kind of uh, agree with that. So as I started on digital uh, years back, one of the things we started off with is looking at technology. Here's what we could get in terms of capturing the data. But then soon as we're talking to clinicians, KOLs, commercial, we kind of realized that it's not about the data or the technology, it's about the, the unmet need. Mm -hmm. and, as you, and it's about how you plug into that ecosystem. How does that ecosystem for that therapeutic area shape? And one thing I kind of want to uh, say is also, the ecosystem is also changing constantly. As, we ch as society changes, as our um, behaviors change, as new technology, consumer technology comes on, um, I, I think, you know, a long time ago, you, you look at connected device and, and, and things like that. It's okay, we, we plug into a simple ecosystem. Here's your adherence. But then, as you, as you look at other things, you have Alexa, you have voice activation, and now you have machine learning. You have all this algorithm that has that potential. And I think, uh, as pharma, as device, as, as um, clinicians, as a connective digital health uh, industry or ecosystem or partnership, we have to kind of recognize that it is evolving and have that communication. So with that, I see that we're a little bit close to time, so I'll kind of um, uh, go to the last point, you know, or ask the last question in terms of what can we as a collective do to help advance digital health? So, Yeah, so <coughs> I, I personally believe that um, in the end, everything that you guys described potentially as the gap is also the opportunity here, you know, because that's, that's the challenge of this whole thing. And, and I, I do believe that in the end, we can all, and I should be the first one saying, yeah, it's all about technology, all about connection and so on. But you guys already kind of like, like, like spoiled my, my, my line there, because in the end, it's about patients and doctors, you know, in that order. I think patients first, healthcare providers second. Beyond that, all we have to do is, in my opinion, look outside of healthcare. And if you look in other industries that figure this one out, software becomes just good software that basically hides all the details. You know, it's it hard to technically connect the device. Is it hard to build a regulated cybersecure solution? Is it hard to put it into EHR and so on and so on? That should become a non-issue in these conversations. You know, I, I personally believe that until that happens, 
we're going to keep running in circles trying to address this, and, and we won't be focusing on what the patient needs and what a doctor needs to be able, or a nurse actually in many instances more than doctors, needs to do to be able to leverage that solution. So in, the way I think about it is like a puzzle where we are all kind of either building or, or buying the same pieces of the puzzles in silos, you know, so everybody has the same pieces, but until they are all in one image with AI clarifying the image, a lot of money will be thrown at it with, with uh, very little ROI. You know, so I think we all need to, to understand that it's less about our great silo, it's more about let's figure out on a common vision and make it happen. And then the last thing that I, I haven't heard people talking about, but I believe it's key, is it, we need to figure out a way to, to open this world garden to outside broad innovation because as long as the same people keep looking at this and we don't figure out a way to let the broad universe of outside healthcare play with our very good data, very good solutions and innovate, I think we're gonna come up with more or less the same solutions over and over again. I don't know who's next, but uh, I, I can go now because I'm talking, right? Uh, so it's, it's interesting because you've got a lot of pharma folks out here, a lot of folks working with or for pharma and create, creating an app, a, a connected device with an app with a dashboard. You need those things to even be a player in the space, right? You, you can't not. But then connecting that information to the EHR um, and making sure that it's front of mind for the provider or the nurse while they're in there actually using the, looking at the data and having it right available for them to enter in. Some, because there's a lot of data and you're not using all of it. You're looking at the specific points and markers. But for example, if a patient isn't just on one brand or one pharmaceutical product, they're on multiple. And so if I have one and Amin has one and so-and-so has another one, that means that the provider, you're putting a burden on the provider to then look at multiple different dashboards or have it all funnel into the same EMR. And that, that gets really tricky. You're putting now burden on other, other people uh, in, the, in the process. And it's just not going to work. Uh, there need to be ultimately partnerships where people are working together, creating one centralized data set, right? Because somebody's getting treated for asthma, but they might also have high blood pressure. They may, uh, might also have diabetes. They, all those pieces, and they may be being treated by multiple different products. So all those pieces need to come together to give a good uh, holistic uh, data set for that person's well-being. I think, and you, we mentioned AI. There's a lot of trust issues with AI right now. It's so new. Um, yeah, we're going there, but I'm not sure we know how we're getting there yet. So, I don't know. Okay. Um, I guess one point I'd like to make is about the industry in general. I think um, we tend to be more tech push than market pull. Um, let's be honest. We're we come up, or you guys out there come up with amazing drugs for people to treat illnesses. So we are um, collectively drug pushers, but let's not say that out loud. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think um, there, there's something to be said, I'm, I'm, I'll make light of that, but I think there is an important part to that that we need to 
really understand what we're what we're doing and, and what's pulling us towards doing connectivity. Um, I think I'd love to think that it's going to be more market pull driven in one sense, but I don't think that's our industry. I do think we we rely on more of a, a stick than a carrot. Uh, I think we rely on, you know, a case in point, the, the HF world didn't really exist up until there was more regulations around having to have, you know, user-driven uh, products. So I think there's going to have to be some external uh, interaction and regulation around you need to have to have, for certain indications with certain people, some way of monitoring them, some way of understanding that they are definitely adhering to their medication and going forward, particularly if we're going to move to drugs which are going to be administered much further and further apart, which is where we're going. Um, it's much harder to keep track of people if they're taking three or four drugs a year rather than taking one a week. You know, you miss one of those, 52 out of, two out of 52, pretty bad. If you miss one out of six, that's, that's not so great. If you miss one out of four, that's really not so great. So the drug interaction is going to get much, much harder and much more difficult to make sure those patients, if they're taking them themselves, are going to be, uh, need to be monitored. Maybe one thing I, I mentioned very quickly. So we had this great panel this morning um, about the payer perspective on digital health and combination products, right? And I think this is this is very important. One thing that resonated and they kept repeating was evidence and evidence and evidence. I, I think that's probably another another missing link here. And I would like to see more in future is that there, there is a great promise. I think everybody agrees on that, but there is not sufficient data about you know, how connecting the drug delivery can improve adherence and how it can bring economical advantage, like it can bring down the overall healthcare costs, right? There is insufficient data. So what I would like to see in future is more partnership on that front you know, uh, to develop these interconnected ecosystems, as you mentioned, but also to generate clinical evidence and data on their economical advantage and uh, the overall improving the overall health outcome. I kind of want to just add also, I, kind of, I really like how you described it uh, uh, in terms of a puzzle. And it is really a puzzle because we have a lot of stakeholders, a lot of uh, individuals. In, we're kind of doing things in a silo. And we have to kind of do things in collaboratively, kind of take away the silo and just look at the whole picture. Right? As we look at the whole picture, as we all come together, there's that opportunity where there is, uh, so I, I kind of say that there's, the, the unmet needs, the, the, the problem statements. So as you look at the whole picture, you can see some of the unmet needs. But also this is where I think the machine learning, the AI could, has that potential because as you look at the data, you may discover additional nuggets of uh, uh, information that's, that, hey, if I do it this way, this may help the patient. So I think we need to look at it from both perspectives. But I think the key is let's not do things in silo. Let's take a step back and look at the whole puzzle as a, as a collective. Um, I think we're out of time, so I want to thank the panel, and let's give the panel a round of applause. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Pod Conference, editorial, podcasts, or webcasts, please visit podconference.com. Thanks for listening.